All right, let's begin. That's how you do it. You uh, act like you're talking in the microphone and then they turn you up and then you turn on your microphone and it feeds back. So, I am glad that you are here this morning. How many people are glad you're here this morning? Yes. It's beginning to look a lot like Christmas. I've heard that somewhere before. I'm telling you, we have all the decorations and ready to go. Man, I tell you what, we had a great night at the Christmas party at Fossil Creek. And if you were there, uh, we saw all the talent of the musical instruments that were played for the game and all the good things that went on. It, there's something about Christmas that as a, as a family or a church family, as we get together, you know, the, the, the realization, the older we get, doesn't it seem like Christmas comes every other month? It goes fast. And it kind of is a landmark, if you think about it, throughout your year of things that have happened. You know, okay, do you remember in 2008 when we did this Christmas? No, I don't. But you can see a picture and all of a sudden you go back to maybe that memory of that time period. That, that happened to me this week on Facebook. How many people have ever got a reminder of something that has happened in your past? And you go, that was that long ago? And then you look close and you go, oh my, I have that shirt still. <laughs> or something like that. So I want to encourage you, as I do every year, to stay intact because I know that Life gets busy, and if you're not careful, you go, you know, it's Christmas again, and, you know, we just kind of go through the motions. And But do you remember as, as children how important it was? It seemed like Christmas was every five years. I mean, it just was so long. And, and so that Christmas, looking back on your life, is one of those times that you know is coming but so many times we take it for granted, we do not put enough into it. And, and I, I just want to encourage you before we begin, this is the second week of December. And it does seem like at times that our life goes that quick. And if we're not taking note to those people that are around us and, and spending time with them, and it, it, it can go that fast and, and it's over and we're celebrating a new year. You know... Uh, we're going to do something we do every year, and that is our candlelight service. And there's something about people that say, well, what, when is that? It's always Christmas Eve. <laughs> so whenever the 24th is at 6 o'clock, we want to invite you to come. And I know that there's a lot of family things that happen on Christmas Eve. And some people, let, let me see your hand. If your family unwraps gifts on Christmas Eve, there's a, yeah. And how many people unwrap gifts on Christmas Day? Yeah, some of you went like this. Yeah, both of them. Some of you are not supposed to be unwrapping gifts on Christmas Eve, but you're doing it anyway and putting them back under the tree for Christmas Day. I want us to, to join together on Christmas Eve and again to celebrate the birth of Christ and, and what He's done in our life. You know, this morning as I continue the series, Tell Me Your Story, and making room for your story in your life, because it's 
a continuation of what we've been talking about because the most important thing is, or the most important person that you need to tell your story to is you. And we're going to be talking about that and continuing what we kind of talked about last week. Uh, when, when, we, when we decide about what is it that we would like God to do in our life. You know, what I found out as a pastor is most of the time, the three big prayer requests, if you said, could, could anybody needs prayer today? Usually it'll be one of these three. The, the first one is, you know, could you heal me or heal somebody in my family, God? Could you, could you take care of that uh, physical need? Uh, another prayer, uh, prayer request is, I need peace in my relationships. There's somebody that I've I've kind of gotten out of whack with, or you know, they're kind of my boss or my work associate. There, there's something that God, you you please help me in that area. And then the third one is money or finances, or you could say a blessing. God, I I I need a promotion in my life, or I, I I'd like you know more of this or more of that. And, and when you begin to see how we ask God for things in our life, do we ever stop and just say, God, all those things that I've asked for, and, and God, you've been God, you've been my Father. God, all those things I look back, God, I'm so grateful that you're in my life. And, and God, I can, I can look at all the things that you've been faithful to me. And when we begin to become understanding of all the things that we have gratitude for, there's a story that develops, and here's where I'm at, is when you have that story of the goodness of God in your life, is it clear enough first to you to tell yourself of the goodness of God in your life? And then is it clear enough, and are you confident enough in your story to be able to share that with somebody around you? Because I really believe that when it comes to the point of, of a pastor encouraging his congregation as God has commanded us to go into all the world and preach the good news, that sometimes we go, you know, I, I just, I don't know about that. Because I don't know enough about the Bible. I don't know enough about theology. I don't know enough about this. Or that. And we come up with the kind of a fear factor of what will they say? What will they do? When I've been around people in probably one of the most comfortable times that I've found that people will settle into when I'm in a dialogue with them is just telling them, telling each other their story. And so this morning, as, as we get into this second part of making room for your story, I, I want you to take note because I, I believe every week is the Holy Spirit tailors my messages to your life. That you allow God to, to say, this is where I'm working in this sermon in your life. That you'll take note and, and begin to apply it. Because what I found out, it's not what you know. <laughs> Isn't this true? It's not what you know. It's really what you remember and then actually what you do with what you remember in the Word of God. I've made the illustration several times in my ministry that somebody that has been in the church 10 years, can thump them their chest and say, I, I've been in this church 10 years, when really they've not grown, possibly, in God. They just have one year experience 10 years in a row. 
So, so as we're learning something today out of the Word of God, that the Word of God means so much to us, that we're not just going on somebody's opinion or a feel-good sermon or even a feel-bad sermon. You've been in part of those, I have. Or you, ooh, I feel ooh, terrible. What we're going on is the Word of God coming into our life and giving us direction and realizing that God has a plan for our life. Now, if you'll turn over to 2 Kings chapter 4, I, I want to just quickly review so that we're all kind of in the, in the same direction. Last week we talked about a story about a lady, and she's a Shinnamonite, and, and that's a, a person that uh, some people say that that name is the unknown. So she really, we don't know who she is, and we don't actually... Uh, know a lot about her, but what we do know about her is the Bible says that she was a well-to-do woman, and she's married to an older man, and she gets this idea that the prophet Elisha commonly goes through the area where she lives. Now, now stick with me on this part, that the Bible has not been written, but the Word of God is active in the world. The prophet of God is considered the mouthpiece of God, and where he went, he would speak the word of God. There was, uh, we know that Moses spoke in, in out of God's will, the, the Ten Commandments, he gave him the Ten Commandments. And, and direction through the Old Testament, we see how God, through the prophet, or through the prophets, that, that were able to give the direction that God wanted his people to go. So here's Elisha. And he would travel from point A to point B and right in between where he would travel a lot of times this lady lived. And she came up to, with an idea for her husband and her to, to build a room. And what they would do is build this room that Elisha and his servant could stay at. They put a table and a chair and a bed in there and a couch kind of thing, kind of fixed it up. And so that Elisha, when he came through, this would be better than a Motel 6. I mean, this is at our house. We would, she would fix him a meal and, and, and begin to just have a relationship as you would with the Word of God. To be able to be influenced by the man of God. Now, the story goes, and we're going to read a portion of it in a minute, as you see here, is we're going to read it in a little bit, but let me just summarize it by saying that the prophet asks his servant, what can we do for this lady? And after discussing it, the, the thought is that she doesn't have a son and her husband is an older man. And so she is brought in and the prophet prophesies that she's going to have a son. And she's like, whoa, are you serious? Because that's something that has been a dream of her heart. But again, it is already past what she thought was physically possible. Now, now watch this. As, as we preach this message, I don't want you to think that if you're going to ask God for something, if you don't want a child, you're going to get one. I told Lisa last week, you know, you know, there's some people in our church that would like a child. And I'm praying with, would you like a child? And she says, don't put that on me. God knows what you need in your life. Let's leave that there. 
And the Bible says that she has a baby boy. What a joy. But one day when the boy is a little bit older, we can assume, I'm not saying that this is in the Bible, but let's assume that he's somewhere around seven years old. And he goes out to the reapers where his dad is out in the field, just like a lot of times a young boy would do and see his dad. And, but he, his head begins to hurt and he sits on his mother's lap. And later that day, he passes away. Now, now watch, watch this process. The lady that has been influenced by the word of God, by, by making a room for the prophet, again, she's a well-to-do lady, but at the same time, she goes into action mode. It costs her something, and, and she builds in, in construction an actual physical room where the prophet of God has now lived when he comes through this area and begins to speak into their life. I, I want you to catch this because this is important for us. The boy, at a young age, passes away. The mother grabs him up and carries him into the house and actually lays him on the bed of the prophet, where, where the prophet stays. She takes a servant and a donkey and heads out for the man of God. The man of God sees her coming and tells the prophet, here comes the humanite lady. Why don't you run and say, is everything okay? Now watch this. I want you to get this. Because as she's coming, she goes, everything's okay. Can, can I ask you something? If her boy is just dead, is everything okay? No. It is not okay. What in the world is she saying? Now, now, again, this gets me excited because I'm preaching to myself on this subject. When times get tough, it's not what you know, it's but what you remember and what you are acting out, what you are applying. We talked about this today in the early morning uh, Christian education hour that we talked about. There, there was a person that we were talking and she, and she was explaining a situation and she went into a dire situation. I mean, it's a critical situation. It's no little thing. But she walks into that situation with the peace of God in her life. It's not something that she uh, expected in, the, in our class. It wasn't something that had happened. But she had been walking in the power of God so that when she went into an emergency situation, it wasn't like, what? What am I going to do? This is what's happening in this lady. She's coming in and she goes, it's okay. She is prophesying to herself. It's going to be okay. She gets to the man of God and tells the story of, of her son passing away. He says to the servant, take my staff and you run ahead of me. And I want you to put it on the boy. And again, this is the Old Testament. Working through symbols and points of contact, the staff, just like in Moses' hand earlier, the staff parted the... This is something that God is using in the man of God, the staff. But listen to this. this every time I read this, I just go, whoo! I kind of like that, whatever that little distortion was. I, I like this point. This lady 
looks at the man of God that had just told her prophet or her his servant to run ahead and put the, the staff on the boy. In other words, to make him to, to resurrect him from the dead. And the lady looks at the man of God and says, I'm not leaving you. In other words, we together are going back to my house or you stayed together. You can send your servant with the staff, but I'm going to stay with you. And we're going to go back to my house. Now, Let me just tell you something about John Miller. I'm verbal, so sometimes when I'm talking, I can hear myself, and that, that gets me going. So I, I'm just, I, I've got something going on in my mind about this. It's just the power of God is in this. Now, now think about this. She says, I'm not, let, let's read it. 2 Kings chapter 4, verse 25. They've had it up there for a while. You might have already, already read, it, read it, but look at this. So she set out and came to the man of God at Mount Carmel. When he saw her in the distance, the man of God said to his servant Gazi, Look, there's the Shunammite woman. Run to meet her and ask her, Are you all right? Is your husband all right? Is your child all right? Everything is all right, she said. In verse 29, it says, Elisha said to Gazi, or Gaz, yeah. Tuck your cloak into your belt. Take my staff in your hand and run. Don't greet anyone you meet. And if anyone greets you, do not answer. Lay my staff on the boy's face. In other words, don't, don't get tied up. Just go. Now, a lot of people would go, that's good enough. But I want you to hear what she says. But the child's mother said, as surely as the Lord lives, and as you live, I will not leave you. So, the response of the man of God. So he got up and followed her. Now, to summarize the rest of the story, if you weren't here last week, just I, I want to encourage you to read this. 2 Kings chapter 4. To summarize it, the prophet is taken back to the room that she's laid her son in, and the boy is raised from the dead. Now, again, maybe you've heard this story before, but I want you to picture your son being raised from the dead. All of a sudden you can imagine everything that is going through this mother. And I want to show you something that we've I've taught in the past that, that is now going to kind of have an intersection right here at this story. That where you are right now in your life, in your belief system, and where God is and how He plays a part in your life, if you wrap that whole thing up, your belief system. Your belief system was made out of your choice. A believing God as the Son of God, Jesus Christ as the Son of God that came and died on the cross for you. Every person makes that choice. I can't make that choice for you. If we could, I would have already made it for my four children. Sorry, I was here before you. You're Christians. It doesn't work that way though. Everybody has to make their own choice. When you make that choice, then the Word of God becomes your roadmap. It becomes everything that you are. Now, now some people don't make the Word of God everything that they are. That's why sometimes they just go around in the crazy cycle. They just go around in circles. It might take them five years, ten years, but they come back right where they were and they go, well, what's happened? 
So your belief system, out of your belief system, then all of a sudden, again, you're, you're making choices. And out of those choices, we'll make experiences. Now, now hear me, because this might not click and you might have to process it for a day or two. And then possibly the revelation of God, will, the light bulb will come on, bang, wow. That out of those experiences, it will either confirm that belief system that you have in God or it will contradict it. There's some people that will say, I believe in healing. Oh, yeah, I believe God can heal. But they can be sick in a church service and I can ask for you to come up for prayer. And, oh, I'm not coming up. Do you see what I'm saying? There, there's something in their belief system that pulls back and they go, yeah, I believe he can, but he can't for me. We know as a church that the Word of God is everything. When you begin to apply the Word of God to your life, at first it is like, I mean, it's different than what the world around us is saying. It's different than what the world around us is doing. So we have a kind of a, I'm not sure because it's new. And every time that you get a word from God, there's a test that comes to see if you actually believe. Has anybody ever done that beside me? I'm going to walk by faith and it seems like I'm going to I'm going to do this. I'm going to tithe. And you got four flat tires on your car in one month. What? You you got to have it settled. Are you or are you not? So, So then as you're walking those experiences and going, no, 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 no. I'm not going to allow an experience in my life to prove that the word of God is not true. That's why the word of God says, if people that try the Word of God, but they do not follow the Word of God, if they say that the Word of God is a lie, if they do not mix the Word of God with faith and it doesn't come out in their life, then is the Word of God untrue? No. Let God be true and every man a liar. In other words, you're going to say, you know what? Everything about the Word of God changes my thinking. And when it changes my thinking, it changes my emotions. I'm not going to allow my emotions to guide me, direct me, move me in a certain way. Then it changes my choices, which we're talking about today with your experiences and your belief system. When your choices change, it changes your habits, then your character and your destiny. Now watch this. Here's this lady that has allowed the Word of God and she's made room. We're going we're gonna to clean that out. We're going to do that. We're going to do that. We're going to build that. We're going to put that in there. So that when the man of God comes, the word of God is going to be spoken over me and my family's life. I'm going to go by a new way of living. The word of God is going to come over to my life. I mean, he's going to spend the night in my house right here. Now again, as believers in the New Testament, since Christ has come, we realize that the Holy Spirit lives within us. We have the privilege and the the blessing to be able to read the Word of God. So to allow the Word of God to come into your life, I hope that all of us know that we have to make room for the Word of God. One way you do that is just coming to church. You're hearing the Word of God that if you were not here this morning, you would not hear this Word. You say, well, Pastor, I could... Watch it or listen to it on Facebook Live. Yeah, but you'd again be making room out of your day or out of your time period to make room for the Word of God to come in. 
to your life. You're making room. It is... It is so important for us as believers to know this. That faith cometh by hearing the word of God and hearing the word of God and hearing. I've been raised in church. And, and there's probably a few people that have been in the church longer and heard as many sermons as I have. But let me tell you, it's not what you know, but what you remember and what you're doing. That matters. Here's this lady that has been having the man of God come into her life and speak the word of God. And all of a sudden there's a change. Now watch this. Catch this. That the action of that lady. Now again, starting with mental and then the physical of building the apartment. It's going to cost her something. It's going to take some work. Led for her son being born. Can you imagine her neighbor speaking that into her life? You're going to have a son. I bet you the prophet said that you're going to have a son. <laughs> you're not going to have a son. You're not going to have a son. It's easier to be negative in the world we live in. But here she is building an apartment that leads to her son being born. And that's what she believed in. But here's what I want you to see. The next step is when trouble comes. She calls on that belief system. The, the boy's dead. Can, can we all get an agreement? He's dead. He's gone. No more. Forget him. But there's something inside of her that says, Oh, no, he's not. Which is the belief system that is working in her life. And that influence is what is going to give her back the son that was gone. Now this morning, I want you to see this part. It's her story that will keep the belief system intact in her choices, then will demand an experience because of it. She is hearing something, and we don't know her level of maturity in God. But over the times, I'm believing that the word of God is spoken over her life in that room. And, she, and that man of God is uh, really uh, sharing at, at dinner and, and different times when he is visiting. That lady is growing in her faith. And when that trouble comes into her life, instead of her being like everybody else possibly in that community... There's something that rises up. The power of God rises up within her of what she's been taught and what she's been doing to go, it's all right. She goes to the man of God and says, I didn't ask for a son. You said I'm going to have a son. So I'm, I'm believing you're going to raise him from the dead. Did, did, wait just a minute. That sounds like a lot of something that we just sang. I'm going to rest in your promises. How can you do that? Because my confidence is in his faithfulness. What do you mean? What is your faithfulness? Sit down, I'll tell you my story. That's exactly what she is going to do. Her actions follow her expectations. Let's just think about this a minute. Low expectations will trap you in mediocrity. Just, just being mediocre. Just... But high expectations 
will motivate you and propel you to move forward in your life. Now stick with me. When you raise your level of expectations, it's not a passive process. See, today you can get motivated. You, you can raise your expectations go, I can do that. But it's going to take a lot of effort on your part. I, I believe that her and her family had to get out the hammer and nails. How much is it going to cost for that apartment? It's not passive. It, it is an active way of saying, you know what, God, I, I don't feel like going to church on a Sunday morning. But I'm going to get up and go. You know what? I'd rather sit and watch Leave It to Beaver rerun after rerun versus reading the Bible. You're going to have to put down the remote and say, you know what? I, I got to do something about this. I got to make room in my life for the Word of God to move in my situation. Well, Pastor, I've got it pretty good. If you're breathing, there's going to be times when it's not very good. It's life. To be actively thinking positive thoughts about victory and thoughts of abundance, thoughts of favor, thoughts of hope. Pure things, pure thoughts, good things. You don't get to that place passively where it's just going to happen. Let me, let me tell you this. This is what's hit me this week. When I, I thought about that lady looking at the man of God and going, surely as God lives and you live, I'm not leaving you. He goes, I just wonder if he thought, I, I've seen that look before. If you know the story of Elijah and Elisha, you, you know what I'm talking about. See, the Old Testament prophet Elijah was Elisha's mentor. And Elijah comes on God's request and picks Elisha to follow him as the prophet of the country. And the story goes as he comes to Elisha and says, pretty much, follow me. It's a long story, just to summarize, he follows Elijah. And, and this man of God is walking and this younger man of God is following. And there's a point in the story where Elijah says to Elisha, what is it that you want? And Elisha says, I want a double portion of what you have. And it's funny because you would think that if it wasn't right, Elijah would have rebuked him. What are you talking about, you youngster, you know? But he goes, You've asked a hard thing. But I'll tell you what. If you see me when God takes me away, it's yours. Now, now I wonder if, it, if it's almost like if you can actually see that before it happens. If, if you can see that with the, the window of the Word of God, if you can actually see that happening, it's going to be yours. And, and the story goes that Elijah would come up to maybe a, a city and say, why don't you stay here, Elisha? And he'd say, <laughs> uh -uh. wherever you go, I'm there. He'll go to another place and say, stay here. Uh-uh, I'm following you. There, there's something about a tenacity in him, that, that, a grit that says, you know what? 
I don't care where you go, but I know that's where I'm going to be. You are going to be doing things and, and he's watching miracles take place. His level of faith is growing. It, it is amazing. The day comes, they go the final stage of the trip, so to speak. He sees some uh, uh, kind of a prophet school and the young prophets go, today God's going to take your master. And, and it's kind of like, why don't you stay here? And he's like, I ain't staying here. I'm going to be right with him. Now, this is in 2 Kings. I want you to read this if you have this, this week when you have time. Elijah goes to a place, crosses the river by taking his coat and smiting the water or hitting the water. Now, I didn't make this up. This is in the Bible. And the water divides and they both walk across on dry land. A chariot of fire comes down and it takes Elijah. Boom! And his coat is left there on the ground. Elisha says, wow. I mean, it's amazing. He takes the coat and goes back to the water and it's a river. He takes that coat and hits the water and it parts. Why does he do that? How could he do that? He saw it happen just a few minutes ago. He has faith because he's followed, again, what we're talking about, the word of God from the prophet. He's experienced it. He has built a belief system that will follow him the rest of his life and he'll make choices based on that belief system. Seeing it through the screen of God's word with spiritual eyes it will become reality working in our life. Let me tell you, there's something about it. If you have a vision of victory for your life, it, it can raise you to a whole other level that you even can look, as, as the Bible says about Christians, as we're a peculiar people. But there's something about the world we live in that gets us to a place that our head is down. And we're really not for sure that what we believe in. And I know what Pastor John says. I've read the Bible that one time back then. When, oh yeah, what about it? And I'm just not real for sure. And with our head down, it's amazing how we will easily get off track. If you're not careful, you'll begin to talk somebody that needs a miracle in their life. You'll talk them out of it. And you didn't even really realize it until at the end of the story. You're like, what did I do? Because you'll be preaching your past experience instead of what the Word of God says in your life. Now, this, this is important as a believer because as you learn to allow God to work in your life, you're building your story. You're proving God to be true and all those experiences of other things as a liar. They're not going to determine that God is who He says He is and He can do what He says He can do. It's a spiritual principle as well as a psychological fact that we move towards what we see in our minds. Can I say that again? We move toward what we see in our minds. Now this morning, 
I don't know who is considered a negative person. Let me say, a realist. And a positive person versus a negative person. But can I just tell you, if you're more of the melancholy, you know, you like the details and all that. If you're not careful, you'll begin to say, this is reality. So when the word of God says that we walk by faith and not by sight, you'll say, well, she's not real true. My belief system believes in that. But you don't realize that you're telling the story that God's not true. The word of God is not true. When you speak to things that are not as if they were, as it says in Romans, in, in the word of God. When you speak to, Pastor, I just feel like I'm lying. What, you're lying when you say what God said? You wouldn't even know what lying was if it wasn't for God. Let me ask you, what do you see when you look into your future? Pastor, I'll probably lose my job, lose my family, and live under the bridge by the end of the week. Have you ever seen somebody... They don't believe in prophetic words, but they prophesy over themselves by what they're saying about themselves. There's something about allowing God to work in your life, and it's part of the process of walking by faith, is when you confess the good things of what God is doing in your life. Some people will try to, well, they'll try to, no? It's something that when you confess your story, listen to this, your story keeps your belief system rock solid. Can I say it again? Your story keeps your belief system rock solid. One more time. Your story keeps your belief system rock solid. How long has it been since you felt rock solid? Probably it's been long that as long as you have told your story. If you're married, it's important for you to tell your story to one another. If you have children, it's important. They know. No, they don't. No, they do not. They'll grow up and they'll be 18 years old and they go, you know, I really don't know if there is a God. But let me tell you, if you've told them your story, they're not going to hesitate to go. There is a God. I just maybe don't believe in Him right now. Which is a lie from Satan that he tells every young child. That's why it's important to have children in church. That there is no God. And, and what the child is saying is because I've been listening more to my friends over here that are trying to come up with a case against God than I am hearing mom and dad's story that there is a God. So watch this. To kind of conclude this part of the story of, of the Shumanite lady, if you'll turn over quickly to chapter 8, because this is just amazing to me. And some people have heard what the story is that we have read before about chapter 4, but have you heard the rest of the story as in chapter 8? Listen to this. Now, Elisha had said to the woman whose son had been restored to life, go away with your family and stay for a while 
wherever you can, because the Lord has decreed a famine in the land that will last seven years. The woman proceeded to do as the man of God said. She and her family went away and stayed in the land of the Philistines seven years. Now, let me just stop there real quick, kind of give you some background. In this time, again, that during the time of the prophets, that a lot of times out of disobedience that there would become a drought, a famine in the land. This is going to happen after the boy has been raised from the dead, that Elisha, again, I believe, as he's coming through this part of the land and staying at her house, instructs her of the future that's coming. You need to leave because there's a famine coming. So the Philistines were more down by the Mediterranean Sea in Israel, but they're really in a different part of the world, country to them. So she leaves to go down to them for seven years. Now watch this. At the end of the seven years, she came back from the land of the Philistines and went to appeal to the king for her house and land because her house and land, because she's been gone, has been taken away. The king was talking to Gezi. Again, this is the servant that was there when it happened. The king, he's the top dog of the land. Oh, man, I just thought of something. Do you remember back when he says, Elisha says to the woman, what, what is it that we can do for you? Can we talk to the king on your behalf or the commander of the army? You remember that? So now we, we fast forward seven years and the servant is talking to the king. The king is talking to Gehazi, the servant of the man of God, and said, Tell me about the great things Elisha had done. Tell me the story of this man of God. Just as Gehazi was telling the king how Elisha had restored the dead to life, the woman whose son Elisha had brought back to life came to appeal to the king for her house and land. How many people know that God will put you in the right place at the right time to meet the right people to bring about all that he has in store for you? And then we pray what? God, let me be aware when that happens. I love this. This is the servant. You remember, he's the one that took the staff and he's watching it. And he's, he's, it says, guys, they said, this is the woman, my Lord, the king. And this is her son whom Elisha restored to life. Can you imagine if the king's going, nuh-uh, nuh-uh, uh-uh, there he is. Let me tell you, the king is in the right place at the right time, just like the woman is. And this is the son who Elisha restored to life. Verse 6 says, the king asked the woman about it, and she told him. Can, can we say that? She told her story. Oh, my little story don't mean anything. Nobody wants to hear that story. Huh? Don't we get a little bit of false humility when we're telling our story? Well, who wants to know? I don't know why I went into the country dialect there, but. So what happens when she tells a story? Oh, good job. 
Now, no, no, look at the consequences of her telling that story. Then he assigned an official to her case and said to him, give back everything that belonged to her, including all the income from her land from the day she left the country until now. See, all the time that that land is producing wealth that's making an income. And the king not only restores, redeems. Have you ever felt like you've lost stuff in your life? Maybe years that you, maybe there's no way I'm going to get that back. Let me tell you, God can redeem that. And restore that back to you. To your family. To your son's life. To your daughter's life. To their family's life. And here's this lady that we don't even hear about her husband. He might have already died at this time. She comes back. She has nothing. She's been at least well fed for seven years. She hasn't gone through the famine because of the word of God. But when she comes back, now what seemed to have no hope, what am I going to do? The hope by what her story had to say Again, provide her belief system. Her belief system became more and more rock solid. So, so can I just remind you, we've moved towards what we see in our minds. If you have a belief system today that God is who He says He is and He can do what He says He can do, if the Word of God is changing your thinking, and you're being transformed because you realize that your emotions aren't guiding you like they used to, and you're making choices based on the Word of God instead of what you feel just out of an emotional hit. And all of a sudden, you, out of those choices now that you're making, you feel the transformation happening. You might not be perfect, but you're saying, you know what, I, I, I'm making good choices, and, and, and that means I'm making good habits. And out of those habits... People come up to me like, they haven't said this since I went from being a child into puberty. When my voice, you're changing because I'm being transformed. Aunt Mabel, Grandma, you haven't seen me a while, and the Word of God is transforming my life. Your character is changing, and it's obvious that where you're going is changing, your destiny is changing. And here's what I'm asking you today as we get into this Christmas season, as we're coming out of a big family season of Thanksgiving, you will have a great opportunity to tell your story to somebody around you this Christmas about what God's done in your life. And, and you might be here and you say, well, Pastor, I, I just came to know Jesus Christ and really put Him as center of my life just a couple months ago. Tell them that. And if that's you, let me just tell you. Somebody that has served God all his life, not perfect, not perfect. But my God is a good father. He's got a plan for me and he's got a plan for you. And when you begin to believe that, 
and that becomes rock solid, all of a sudden it'll make a difference in getting up in the morning. This morning, if that's you, and you say, I, I, I want to experience more of God. Let me tell you, I'm not looking down on your story. I'm not looking down on anybody's story that says, you know, really, I don't, you, you have, somebody has, everybody has a story. But as you progress in your life and, and God does more things and, and, and you begin to see clearly some of the things that maybe you've gone around in a circle for years over. Maybe frustrations of something that you're believing for that you haven't seen yet manifest in the, in the physical realm. You, you believe for it in the spiritual realm. But you haven't seen it yet. The day that it becomes physical. You're, you're believing for an unsaved loved one to, 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 to see how good God is. Maybe there's a habit in your life that you're fighting. I mean, it's a fight. I know struggling with habits, you're just like, I can't, I don't want to do that. But as you're saying, God, I, I need deliverance. That's part of your story. There's something about the enemy that always wants to downplay your story that nobody needs, or, or there's a pride issue that you don't want anybody aware. That is the key to somebody else's deliverance when you tell your story of how you were delivered. This morning, I want us all to be people of faith that say, you know what, God? As I build my story, help my eyes to be open wide so that I can see all those things that you're continually doing in my life. So that I can tell other people about that. Can we pray this morning? Thank you, God, for all your blessings in our life. And Father, there are times in our life we know that we go through that are a struggle. But God, the one thing that we know that you have already spoken over our life is that we are an overcomer in this world. And Father, knowing that to be true, that God, that we walk that out, even when we don't feel it, even when we don't see it, God, we are determined that God, our belief system lines up with your word. God, as we stand on that, we make that our rock, our foundation. That God, that we know that the best is yet to come. And we thank you for that. And everybody in agreement said, Amen. Amen.